Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Santo, joined, as always, by the John Schneider. To my Pete Carroll, it's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? Uh, you know, I just appreciate that uh, you come from a two-parent family. And uh, the <laughs> John John was on, John was on one. Uh, uh, yeah, dude, John needs to back sure. off the edibles on draft day. This is not uh, a good look. <laughs> and then uh, our very own Jody Allen. That's right, the owner. It's Eric Ronabek. Eric, how are you? I'm a mystery. I may or may not be calling the shots. I may or may not be pretending were... to know everything that's going on. Thank you for the welcome. You were notably in the draft room this this week, though. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna engage in what I think is the uh, the height of post draft tomfoolery, which is draft grades. I always think draft grades are so goofy. Oh man, um, it's 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 the final act of draft of drafturbation. Mock yeah, drafts are like, the opening drafturbation, and now we drafturbate the draft picks. Right. It's like it's like um. So I basically every draft guy is like, I already made these rankings, and uh, how these <laughs> how these picks compare to my rankings will determine what grade I give it. And also uh, my my misinformed opinions on these teams. Okay, so we're gonna start. Off, we're gonna start off round one, number nine overall. Seahawks are on the clock. Um, I just want to get your guys's gut though. Was at this point, did you feel like we were making a pick, or were we trading back? Uh, what did you think, Eric? Did you think we were? Do you think we were making a pick? Uh, no, I actually had a uh, had a bet with uh, my new uh, my new coworker, who's your friend Nathan. Uh, he was like, I think they pick. I think no, nah, they got a big shout. Big shouts to good friend of podcast RJ. Yeah. yeah. So so the the um okay, so so you thought they were trading down. You were like you're like so calm. Who do you think we were trading down with? New Orleans, maybe? Yeah, New Orleans. So I was looking at that uh, you know, anywhere between fourteen and nineteen, I think, is when I was looking at it. Cause that's when I started, you know, having an early pick in the draft for the Seahawks, it's it's unfortunately and fortunately new. So I was like, okay, <laughs> who who are we gonna who are we gonna get? I don't want to trade back with uh, you know, someone like Kansas City and like jump all the way back, but I thought that was possible. So I thought, what could be interesting here? And then, you know, pretty soon pick was in, and I was like, oh wow, here we go. Uh, I wonder if it's Charles Cross. So I get the feeling from the way that it went. So you, you, you read, we read a couple things. So John Schneider said, uh, he said after the, this is in my notes, after the, after the draft, he said, we had a, a chance to p- trade up that evaporated. Okay. Hmm. Um, I'm guessing trade up to six with Carolina to get Kayvon Thibodeau who went number five. Would you guys agree with that? Like that seems like that would, that might've been their, their plan there. I think that's um, definitely uh, on the list of things that make sense. Yeah. So I think that they had a chance to trade up that evaporated. Then he said we had a chance to trade back that evaporated. That was, so uh, that was uh, Drake. That's, that had so, to be New Orleans. So I'm guessing Drake. Yeah, I'm guessing some someone wanted to come up, maybe New Orleans, to get Drake London. So so now we're in a position at nine. I do think the Seahawks entered this draft with like six or seven guys that they would have felt comfortable with at nine: Walker, Hutchinson, um, Sauce Gardner, Stingley, and the three tackles. Right, those seven guys were probably all guys that, at the end of the day, the Seahawks felt very comfortable with getting at nine. Yeah, and they got one of those. Yeah, right, Thibodeau. Yep. So. Maybe maybe Stingley or Sauce is off the board. Maybe Walker's off the board. Um, we don't really know. I can but, see for injury reasons that Stingley might scare them. Yeah, um, I'm not surprised Stingley came up at the end and, and ended up going in the top before us because he's. Were you shocked at number talented. three? Uh, I mean, Houston has so many needs. They were always kind of the wild card in the in the front of this draft, um, and I do think a lot of teams value cornerbacks like Stingley over cornerbacks like. 
uh, Gardner mm-hmm. still yeah. because uh, it's a stylistic thing. Stingley is a more traditional cover corner. Could be the next Darrell Revis, while while Gardner's going to try to be the next uh, Richard Sherman, right? And so these guys, uh, they just play different styles of football. I think the Seahawks would have taken either of them. With though, to be honest, with the with Texans you. taking cornerback, though, I think that 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 shook up the draft board enough for us to get an offensive lineman because that's really right. that was the turning point. We kind of knew the first two picks, but everything else was like, what's Houston going to do? We said it a lot. There were seven or eight guys that we thought would be perfect fits for us, and we just wanted one to fall, and uh, only one fell. <laughs> the, the other, the other seven went all went in front of us, right? Yep. So, so that we we kind of lucked out a little bit, bit in a way, but uh, so we ended up going with uh, with Charles Cross, Kevin. Um, Charles Cross. We said on the podcast. I think you said he was your favorite tackle. I said. I said uh, Charles Cross for number one overall pick. I definitely said it in the Discord as well. I mean, I just his tape is is very very satisfying because he doesn't lose hardly any snaps. He wins basically every snap. It's uh, it's very fun to watch. So, uh, Kevin, what you what you what you see when you broke down Charles Cross on tape? Uh, so with Charles Cross, I see just a natural plug and play left tackle. Like the team desperately needed somebody at that position and he's extremely smooth in his movements. Um, he mirrors really well. And so you can put him like in isolation out against the defensive end and he's going to be able to occupy that guy for three or more seconds. Like that is just, that's the gold standard for what you want from a left tackle. And when I see him, like just to give a player comp, because I think it makes it easier to, to picture it, his skill set reminds me of uh, Laramie Tunsil or Tyron Smith, where um, his run blocking needs to develop a little bit if he's going to be like a top, top tier guy. But out of the gate, his just natural athleticism and movement skills at a really big guy. I mean, this was a five star. This is like a consensus five star um prospect coming out of high school that went to Mississippi State uh like he's been an elite athlete for as long as he's been being evaluated as an athlete for his yeah, size. one thing too is that like most of his uh composite athletic score dings are because he's not like enormous right yeah he's, he's only pre- 6 5 307 which is like <laughs> it, which has weirdly become pretty average size for a but 34 an and a half inch arms tackle. like he had longer arms than the other two top offensive tackle prospects right and and he his 40 yard is nuts uh 90th percentile plus his his shuttle and his broad jump were both great 80th percentile 90th percentile um his three cone and vertical were just okay but i think like he's he's he has more than adequate athleticism i think people really were like dinging him like he was some kind of subpar athlete like he is an above average athlete that just knows how to play the position. Yeah. Like he's, he, he's a really safe pick. Like what were his flaws on tape for you? What I saw was when he would, uh, he had a little bit of trouble getting deep into his kick. Um, he might have to, he might have to go into a three point stance on, on the Seahawks and he hasn't done it a lot. That's, yeah. that's, that's the end of my, that's the beginning and end of my criticisms. Like, uh, he has I, a couple I, of footwork flaws, but he has really good like feet. Like he's very nimble. He, I'll make Eric happy. He's a dancing bear. Um, <laughs> Thank you, Kevin. <laughs> he's really nimble for being a gigantic human being. And so any issues with his footwork, he's such a natural athlete. I'm not worried about it being coached out of him. It just wasn't getting coached out of him because honestly, the system he was in doesn't coach offensive line very well. No, very yeah, I mean, the, the most of the things that he messed up were things that like 
practice and coaching can can fix. It was not like like it was like, oh, you know, these stunts are really kind of kind of messing him up. It's like, yeah, but they what is their plan against stunts? It's probably horrible. <laughs> like they probably don't have one. So yeah. 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 And another thing too is is that when he gets beat, he just holds. But I don't even mind that. Like like I I don't know. I I'm he doesn't fine get with- his quarterback killed. I definitely have yeah. a preference for that. <laughs> yeah, but he's got good good flexibility. He ex- he can explode. He the way he run fits is actually kind of underrated. I think that the, he's going to be good in the run game. Um, yeah, he in, has that he's ability. Pretty good in space. Like, uh, it's this cool thing that's perfect for his own scheme, where he has that those long arms. So what he does is he'll kind of uh, punch out, and when he gets his arms on the front of the player, he can flip his hips. So he goes from running alongside the defender to having his back to the play side and just absolutely walls him off. Cause then you have to go around a guy who's six, five, three Oh seven and has 34 and a half inch arms, which is apparently not very big, but I would tell you anybody who ever had to run around him would tell you that it's very big. Yeah. I mean, he was a, a huge recruit. He, USC wanted Literally. him, Florida state wanted him. I mean, he, he had, he could have gone anywhere, but he decided to stay home in Mississippi and play for Mississippi state. Uh, I think, He's really good. Left tackle experience. We'll, 21 we'll years old. The blind sight. He, he will strong be growing. Hair. Yeah, <laughs> he might get bigger for sure. Exactly. Really, really strong hands. Sticky. He's really sticky and he's really good at mirroring. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I'm i pro Charles Cross. Uh, so uh, so what's, your, what's your draft grade on him? Oh, uh, Eric, you go first. Oh, wait, no, no, I'll go first. Uh, for my draft grade, you know, I think I'm going to give it uh, the Seahawks. I'm going to give him an A+. Plus. Uh, what do you, what do you, what are you thinking, Kevin? Uh, you know, he's a top five pick in my opinion, and we got him at number nine. So normally that'd be an A plus for me. And in this case, that's a, that's an A plus. All right, uh, Eric, what about you? What do you, what do you, what grade are you going to give the Seahawks for this pick? Guy who played basketball, guy who will have no problem moving his feet in the run game. A plus gentlemen. All right. Next we go down to, we go, uh, North. Uh, I would say North, but actually I think Minnesota is South of, of Washington. We, we go, we go South to, uh, to Minnesota, to the university of Minnesota, where the Seahawks selected uh draft visit a guy we talked about last week. Uh, we said, we jokingly said the Seahawks will love this guy because he's super athletic and super old. And <laughs> you know what? 40 overall, they went there. Boy, Mafe, the outside linebacker, By the way, 40 uh, overall, edge. not his age. Just that's it. That's, that's the right. He's not that old. <laughs> You know this what? isn't this is John like, This reminds me of the D. Eskridge pick so much because um, it's like it's a guy with like a crazy relative athletic score, 9.91, uh, just just off the charts athleticism. But he's also like 24 years old. So we need him to contribute immediately. Like we, we need him to step in and play on the first day because we don't have time to wait for him to develop. Right. Hey, at age 23, he's, be- he's a veteran. He'll have no problem slotting in day one. I mean, I liked the I liked the pick though. I mean, boy, boy, Mafe, um, he's really explosive. He has huge power. Um, he was able to create some um, some level of uh, production. Uh, I think he could play four three base end if we wanted to like mix up our fronts and uh, and do some some weird stuff like that and uh, put his hand around. But also, he can stand up and play in a, on the outside in a three four. Um, I'm not super worried about it. I think he doesn't have pat, pass rush a ton of pass rush moves yet. Um, and so I'd like to see him um, find uh, just more, just better moves, be more efficient in the pass rush, that kind of stuff. But I dig it. I dig it a lot. I think it's a great pick. Uh, 
Um, Eric, I know that you were looking at edges in these cl- in this class. Were you happy to get an edge at this point at, at pick 40? Yeah, it's the thing that's really strange about this draft is I was like, oh, I hope we grab Charles Cross. I hope we get an OT. Here we go. We grabbed him. Here, I was like, oh, I really think we have to go edge here, right? I don't think I want to grab a cornerback right now. It's either cornerback or edge. It's got to be edge. I wonder if we're going to grab Mafe. Boom, grab Boya Mafe. Um, the only thing that that really stresses me out about this pick is what Pete Carroll said. He's a very versatile football player. He's a fantastic athlete with speed and size, oh. and he can work, uh, you know, to on the edge as a pass rusher, pass rusher, which is the first thing we would like to see from him. But he's been a guy that has been in coverage and dropped two. We're going back to that defense. Boys, we can't escape I, it. We're dropping these linemen back into coverage well, constantly. Here's the thing. I think it, in the switch to a 3-4, you need your edges to drop into coverage. This is true. So so like it, I think that's that. it's less worrying because it's Pete committing to playing the 3-4 defense. Yes, I, I it's agree. Not, it's just I thought that was funny because when you said that, I went, <laughs> you're, you're like triggered if your PTSD. If we play four three over, you know the the classic Pete Carroll uh, fake three four. Uh, then yes, this is bad. If if we hang on to LJ Collier and he says something about oh we we anticipate him playing edge on just about every game, I'm like oh there we go, we're giving up the short game all the time. <laughs> all right, uh, Kevin, you threw when you threw on the tape. What'd you see with Boya Mafe? So Boya Mafe was one of the three guys where when pick forty approached, I was like oh man, Nick Benito, Arnold Epichetti, or uh, Boye Mafe are all on the board. I'd love to have any of them. And then Ebiketti went. And so I'm like, ooh, Benito and Mafe are still there. If we can get either of those guys, I'm super, I'm super happy because these are both players where they have the movement skills. It's kind of like we talked about last year. When you dropped Carlos Dunlap into coverage, you kind of felt like shutting your hand in your desk drawer. When you dropped Daryl Taylor into coverage, you felt like I would like to have him rush the passer. But hey, he looks like a guy who can actually do this. It's that whole, um, you know, Bruce Irvin didn't embarrass himself in coverage. Uh, Daryl Taylor doesn't embarrass himself in coverage. Boye Mafe won't embarrass himself in coverage. The guy can move in space in a way that allows him to drop back and like kind of take a shallow zone or something. And I think that's an important role to fill in this. Um, that's kind of something that we were missing. We got Uchenna Nwosu. And so him and Daryl Taylor can both do that. Getting a third guy that we can rotate in there and feel really comfortable with is important. And so I, I heard you stutter. Position. I heard you study or stutter over Daryl Taylor. This and I feel like it's my fault. It is hundred percent your fault, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I've poisoned your mind. Yeah. Uh, all right, time for time for grades. Uh, so I thought the edge was a huge need for this team. I like the value at forty. He's a little old, so but uh, but I'm gonna give it an A, a plus. Uh, Kevin, what do you think? You know, he's a top 30 value for me in the draft board. I didn't think he'd get to us. We picked him out at number 40. Um, the age and a couple other things concern me a little bit, so normally this would be an A, but I'm going to give it an A+. plus. Eric? <laughs> Best edge player available at this time. A+. Plus. A+. Plus. All right, we're next at 41. The Seahawks are on the clock. Everyone's thinking, is this the time for Malik Willis? Is it quarterback time? And of course, Pete Carroll being the ultimate troll, he says, Seahawks Twitter, I'm going to call you effectively the nerds. Take this. It's time for Kenneth Walker III. Uh, And I just I just love I I love it on so many levels. Well, one, I mean, we've been saying it on this podcast for a while. Chris Carson and I think Eric's been the the forefront of this and I'm I'm right there with him. (laughs) We're me and Kevin right there with him. But 
it is very likely Chris Carson has played his last game as a Seahawks. His, his stack of dimes, as we affectionately call it, is not not looking so good. And uh, the, the neck injury probably will prevent him from from, you know, it's I think the Seahawks have moved into a mental state where Chris Carson is a is maybe a um, it's we'd love oh, it if he's player. back. We'd love it if he's back, but we're not going to count on it at all. Right. Like it's yeah. a, it's we're in that situation with him. And so what do we do? Well, we go get a guy who ran a four, three, eight, 40, who broad jumped 10 feet, relative athletic score, 9.24. Um, the most explosive and exciting running back in college football last year. Um, a guy that many people would say is the best pure runner in the entire draft. Brees Hall may be a more complete running back at this stage, but Kenneth Walker wasn't asked to do that at Michigan state. Why? Because they just handed him the ball and let their garbage offensive line do nothing. <laughs> while Kenneth Walker juked and cut his way through an entire defense. It is tape is insane, man. It's like, okay. I know he had like 1200 yards after contact last year. And I was like, that's, that's a lot. Like that's gotta be, he's gotta be, it's gotta be one of those things like where, you know how like, um, yeah, where, somebody gets a uh, finger tra- on him and gets pushed past <laughs> him or something. Exactly. No, this guy, like, seriously, like, the whole team is behind the offensive line before the play starts. And then he's, like, he's finding these, like, tiny cutback lanes and then just exploding through the hole. It is the best tape to watch out of any player the Seahawks drafted. It is so good. He's small. He's compact. He has a powerful base. And he can get away from the from the entire team. I really have, like, nothing bad to say about him except for, you know, obviously he – He's not good in pass pro. He doesn't square up good to – he doesn't understand what to do though. It's not like he's not trying. He's trying, but like he just has no idea what he's supposed to be doing. I think it will stop him from being a three down back in year one. I think that the job will go to Penny will have the obvious passing downs or uh, or the block god, Travis Homer. Um, he uh, he sometimes will get a little – he's a little too into cutting back. Is that, is that a right way he to put really it? He really trusts his ability to make a cut. Yeah, he he's like it's like sometimes he should just take what the defense gives him, and he doesn't uh, do that. He'll 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 try to cut it back, cut it back a little bit. I think we've seen that with Rashad Penny as well, where it's like sometimes you need to take. And Penny, they've been able to coach that out of him, so I'm not super worried about that. His hands are fine, and anytime he got thrown the ball, I wasn't like, oh god, he just didn't know what to do. He just never, they just never threw him the ball. And he's not a polished route runner, mostly due to experience, I would think. Yeah. I think he'll be fine in the past game. It's just gonna it's just gonna take a year. Uh and yeah, Kenneth Walker rules. I I love Kenneth Walker. Now, Eric, did you have a mini meltdown like Seahawks Twitter? because uh, we didn't draft a quarterback right here? No, no. I if anything, I was like excited, not in a good way, more just like nervous excitement. Oh my gosh, are we are we going quarterback here? But I actually was thinking we were gonna go cornerback. I thought we were gonna get the guy out of Clemson. Uh the okay. Booth. Booth. Who's that? Is that, yep. is that it? Yeah, yep. whose back is apparently broken. Oh, my back yeah, there's is a broken. Me- there's a there's a medical thing there. Spinal. Uh, well, hey, then I'm extra happy. Uh, probably going to affect my grade going even higher this round. But yeah, I'm, I'm actually fine with the pick overall. I mean, this guy was probably the best running back in the draft, and I was on board. Uh, I wasn't on board. I, I've been in the thought process of Chris Carson is done as a Seahawk. And uh, yeah, I was I was totally fine with this. I was more just like pleasantly surprised. Kevin, did you have as much of a party with the uh, with the Kenneth Walker tape as I did? Oh, man. I mean, running back tape is fun, but there were two running backs in this draft where. OK, so my qualification for taking a running back on day two, they need to be healthy and they need to be like an impact player because those are the two things that make you an immediate starter. 
Kenneth Walker and Brees Hall are the two people I immediately saw that from. And so Kenneth Walker and Brees Hall were the two guys I was going, you know what, if we take them in round two, they'll come in. And what we lack on our roster right now is a healthy running back that is capable of being a difference maker. We have healthy running backs and difference making running backs, but we don't have any healthy difference making running backs. That's problematic. Um, and I want to just add a little nuance to some of the things you said, because I think you broke down his ability. Like he has great vision and all those things. Um, oh, and apparently he likes Ken Walker. That's that's the impression I'm getting from all the draft material that was put out on on the actual draft day. Mm, have mm. you noticed that? I might that might change my uh, that might change my my grade on this one. <laughs> but but like we're, did we're you notice that forming that, a like, Mitch Mitchell the, situation? Yeah, that's in dangerous. the build in the build up to the draft, it was all Kenneth Walker, right? But then on draft day, when they put it up on the screen, it was all Ken Walker. Did you remain? You guys to be seen. That? I did not notice well, which, that. Which I, I there are other guys that have done this before, where it's like um, in college, you know, they just let people call them whatever they want. But then when they get to the pros, they're like, "This is what I want to be called now. Please stop calling me." Whatever. Um, that was the what was the Ravens defensive lineman that did that? Uh, Boye Mafe or uh, 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 <laughs> <laughs> no? It, it's a name really like about that. It's um, it's a name like that though. You're right. <laughs> um, gosh, my it's, head is. I'm, uh, wait, wait, I'm, I'm draft Ravens de uh, depth chart. It's um, it's it's a uh, Oda Odafe Owe. Yeah, Odafe Owe was um. But he had a different name in college, and he was like, nah, this is the real name. Call me this. That's which is cool. It's cool that guys uh kind of take that. So I'm gonna go Ken because I was Ken on all of the NFL draft stuff and like I had the chance to go with Kenny too and didn't take it. I don't know what, I don't know how to feel about this. Um so the thing <laughs> I'll say about his pass blocking dad a little nuance. Uh and I think to kind of uh back up what you were saying, it's not an effort thing. I think it's a coaching thing because if you look at when he was pass blocking along the edge helping a tackle. He actually was doing a pretty good job, but when he had to step up inside and take and on like an interior rusher, he yeah. got it was it was super 50 50. Like he would just get flat beat sometimes, like duck his helmet and stuff. So I, he, I do think he it's doesn't a know what issue. he like. He just needs to like he's willing to put his body out there. So it's not like he's unwilling. We just need to have him stand directly behind DJ Dallas and just mm-hmm. be like, just just pantomime everything this guy's doing for all uh, the Col- whole year. <laughs> Colton Pouncey on the athletic. If you want like a really good Kenneth Walker summary, did like a did like a little uh, Kenneth Walker thing, and it's it's good, it's really good. I think, yeah, like he needs to. He just has some coaching needs... things that he needs. He went from Wake Forest, which is a very different type of offense, to Michigan State, where they were just like, "Hey, we're going to hand you the ball all the time." Yeah, um, got five touchdowns in the rivalry game against Michigan. Just yeah, dude, this has this dude has uh, thirty-one touchdowns in the last two seasons. He's crazy. Wow. He's so good. Um, okay. Uh, so yeah. Um, and I think like, uh, for me, the, uh, Kenneth Walker pick, I mean, running back is a position that we needed to fill out the depth chart in, uh, and he's the best one. He's the very best. So I think I'm going to have to give this pick uh, an A plus. What are you, Kevin? You know, uh, in day two, I think like the standard is you want to draft guys. You think it can be starters and Kenneth Walker is a starter, and so that makes it like a really solid B pick for me normally. But in this case, I'm going to go with an A+. You know, I thought we were probably going cornerback, and now looking at what happened with the cornerback we were going to take, this is already a high pick, but A+, gentlemen. Yeah. All right, so then uh, we go to number 72, and I think the Seahawks got a gift. Uh, a guy with a 9.73 relative athletic score. He's uh, He's bigger than Charles Cross. 
He's more athletic than Charles Cross. He's not as good at football as Charles, <laughs> Charles Cross, but um, a guy with a lot of right tackle experience, a hometown kid, a guy who I ultimately respect because he doesn't have a Twitter account. Um, that's that's Abraham Lucas, the only player we drafted that doesn't have a Twitter account. Do you notice he went by Abe Lucas? Did he really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, that's cool. All right. So Abe Lucas, uh, Abe Lucas coming in from Everett, Washington to Washington State University and now to uh to the saddle seahawks and so hometown kid all the way eric yeah i know we talked a lot of abe lucas before the draft even started he was on firmly on the radar for this podcast so what 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 were you feeling when we picked him Uh, i was really happy with another tackle i was again pleasantly surprised i thought this is where we were actually picking desmond ritter um which i i was I don't, the Riddler. <laughs> Riddle me this. Riddle me this. Riddle me this. Riddle me this. Who plays co- who plays quarterback for the Atlanta Falcons? What does a quarterback do when he gobbles up? Uh, so that's that's actually not the Riddle from from the sixties Batman movie. I just gave the answer away. So I was I was kind of I don't know if I was high on Ritter, but I was like, oh, this is a guy we could take. And then I think like the day before the draft, I started really deep diving on quarterbacks, and I was like, I don't like. Any of these guys? Yeah, you, I don't you even want you in the NFL both, but yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I don't even want these except, guys, like, except Pittsburgh. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, uh, we shall see. Uh, yeah, but I was like, are we gonna go maybe fifth round? I don't even know if I like that. So when we went tackle, we went local. This is a guy that honestly, I think that you can plug in year one. I think that he will be a a decent plug. Um, I think he has the chance to be something special. Uh, maybe that's just my excitement. You guys will tell me I'm different, but I I love this. Good balance, good pass blocker. Um, uh, I, I'm just I'm pretty I'm pretty stoked on this pick. Two tackles Play from the Seahawks it. early. Never seen that under the Pete Carroll draft. Not even the Holmgren draft. I know uh, Okung was like uh, the last, yeah, and then we went early. Ta- we went early tackle, uh, earliest pick with a Fetty. Two early, obviously. two early tackles though. Like yeah, two I mean, they, offensive they, line improvements very soon. That's what I'm saying. I know. It, and one thing is that um, this draft, we'll, we'll talk about this then maybe, or maybe we could just do it now. But I mean, it has an overall vibe of like, this team is building a foundation. Like this is what they did the year before we got Russ, right? We built the foundation. We got everything ready. And then we inserted a quarterback in. And whether that was Russ or they, they were signing Matt Flynn also. I don't know if that <laughs> – who knows Who knows if that would have worked out. What a what-if tale that would have been. But but uh, if uh, – if, Wow. If, 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 uh, but either way, they built the roster to put the quarterback into, right? They they And I think they're doing the same thing right here. You know, C.J. Stroud said his favorite team is the Seahawks. So – we just go. We're just building the roster for CJ Stroud, and next year we have plenty of draft capital to, without even mortgaging any of our future, just using twenty twenty three assets, getting a great quarterback is very possible. Yeah. Um. On on Abe Lucas. Uh. Yeah. He played right tackle. He's good. He's a great athlete. He has like um, two thousand snaps at right tackle. By the way, he played plays strong. Uh, reads well. Uh. I think that picking two tackles like this that play like this is a sh- that can move in space and are great athletes is a, a big sign. We're going to move into the fully into the zone read. We're moving away from the Russell Wilson offense and into like a, the zone read um, outside zone Rams Rams style offense. And I'm good with that because one, we drafted the cutback runner you need to, to do that. We have now two really athletic tackles to get out there and, and work in that system. 
and we have a quarterback tall enough to throw all those short routes in the middle of the field. in your face. <laughs> field. That's accurate. That's accurate. I, I got him. Uh, sorry, I I, I have I'm gonna take a few pots. I'm not bitter. I'm not bitter. I love Russ is a Russ is a great quarterback. He won a Super Bowl. I just am gonna. He take also a gave shot. us Charles Cross. So I mean, I'm all I'm gonna take a little shot every once in a while because I'm I'm I can't help myself. Separation uh, is preparation, Nathan. So yeah, um, I mean. There, there's, there's problems with with Abe Lucas. There's a reason he fell to seventy two. Uh, he struggles with good pass rush moves, like people who do good pass rushes. But the, there are there are there are good pass rushers who literally switch sides of the field to get away from him. So I don't know. Like they were like, I don't want to deal with this guy anymore. Um, and he he's not perfect, but he I think everything is coachable. He has the athleticism to learn it. Uh, yeah, and he's and got a I, mean streak. Another thing, I think he did drop. It's like um. Who was the guy that went to the Eagles um, that hasn't uh, done Dillard. anything? Yeah, Andre Dillard, I think, hurt uh, Abraham Lucas's draft stock. And to it's a lesser like extent, it, Charles Crosses. It was like blowback from like that, like where these guys, this guy could should have gone early round two maybe and instead went round three because they, he, they, they're they bitter still. <laughs> I mean, it, this happens This happens to Ohio State quarterbacks and – uh, there's just positions on teams that no matter how good they play, they have to wash off the stink from some other players that had nothing to do with them. Yep. So, yep. All right, Kevin, when you threw on the Abe Lucas tape, what'd you see? I saw a guy who managed to not give up any sacks to cave on Thibodeau. That was, that was a thing. Like he needs to improve his anchor. He like, he's tall and kind of lean. He's 315 pounds, but it's six, six. And with the frame he has, he needs to add a little bit of bulk. Uh, I'll use another, uh, uh, scouting term to make Eric giggle he mm-hmm. needs a little more sand in his pants ah, <laughs> so that he can anchor. Um, but I mean, okay. <laughs> I, I don't know what else to say. Uh, the Nick Rolovich system, um, despite being attached to a terrible human being as a head coach also had him do more legitimate run blocking and guess what he could do legitimately run block. I don't really understand outside of a weird bias, why he fell all the way to here because a solid right tackle prospect to me, should be a round two pick every single time. I thought there was a clear tier one of offensive tackles with uh, the three guys who went in the top 10. And then my tier two was Penning, Raymond, uh, Abe Lucas, um, Tyler Smith. I don't understand, like, if Trevor Penning was worth a top 20 pick, Abe Lucas going 72 is insane. Compared to where, I don't know, to many uh, of the other guys that I thought were basically the same as him. Like, yeah. why, why is there such a big delta between Penning and Raymond? Yeah, I don't think Abe Lucas has, like, a super high ceiling. I think he's just a guy who's going to come in and be, like, a C-plus, B-minus right tackle. But for, like, his entire career. Could, and that's a crazy good value at pick 72. He could easily easily be as good as Brandon Shell on day one and could be even a little better than that. And I'll also think. not miss half the season. Yeah, so uh, yeah, that too. I forgot he he doesn't got a lot of injuries or anything. Okay, so uh, a Lucas at three seventy two. Uh, pick fits a huge need for the Seahawks. We came into the draft needing tackles. We probably left with two starting tackles. Got to give this pick a, an A plus. Uh, Kevin, what do you think? You know, this is one I would have been like perfectly good with picking him at forty one, and we got him at seventy two. So that would normally be an A plus for me. And you know, in this draft, that's an A plus. Two tackles is an A plus, but guys taken right after us was a tight end and you know pete carroll was salivating at that tight end we didn't take him we took a left tackle or a tackle a plus a plus all right so then now we go to uh 4109 kobe bryant uh so kobe bryant cornerback out of um cincinnati cincinnati 
Uh, I think that the next two there, there was some strategy here by the Seahawks. They had a list of um, high risk, high reward quarterbacks. We kind of talked about these guys all in the last podcast. They had a list of the kind of like freak athlete cornerbacks. Yeah, Zion McCollum, Tariq Woolen, all those guys. All these guys were left on the board and they said, okay, we'll get one of those guys, but we need a safe guy that can come in and play, that can actually play the position and do a good job from day one. This guy doesn't have the athletic profile that I think um, I think that most people would, would love. It's, it's just a very average athletic profile, but he knows how to play football. And that has value because this guy is a quality backup probably a good special teamer um, maybe in a spot can uh, you know, he could be a number two cornerback starter, I think, and be, and be the things that I saw um, when I watched him, if guys are really fast, um, he's, he struggles unless he gives him a pretty decent cushion. Uh, but other than that, he does everything else right. And he's very good at um, kind of reading the ball and, um, and kind of uh, reacting to the throw and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, oh, yeah, another thing, too, is he's good at helping in the run game, which I'm sure Pete Carroll loved. So, yeah, good job, Kobe. Uh, I'm into it. I think it's a it's a very good, like, he'll be – he could be the guy who sticks around for 10 years, is our number three corner. Maybe he starts sometimes, but mostly just he's a quality backup depth for many years. I like him. Uh, Eric, uh, did you were you did you like the that we went corner corner here with the the uh, the Kobe Bryant and we'll go to the next guy in a second. But did you like this Kobe Bryant pick? Yeah, I really did. I thought now was the time we had to take a corner. I was kind of concerned we would take a safety at this point, as I didn't love any of the safety prospects. Um, this is the guy. I mean, he won the Jim Thorpe Award in twenty twenty one. He played opposite Sauce Gardner. He has some decent tape. Um, like you said, I I don't think he's going to slot in as number two corner right now, but. Um, I, w- I was really stoked on this pick. I, I like it a lot. And I, I have to step away for a second, so I'll end there for, for now. Yeah. Uh, Ke- Kevin. Uh, Co- Kobe? Yeah, that's, I mean, the thing is, everyone wanted to knock him for playing across from Sauce Gardner. That meant everyone was throwing at him all the time. And he allowed a 44% completion percentage. Yeah, he had safety help, but, like, okay, so this is a guy who knows how to play, um opposite corner to the person who can man up on everyone so he's a guy who understands how to play like cb2 who's used to having a volume of passes go his way has a really good understanding of zone and like i think you and i would agree he has really good ball skills right like he gets the interceptions yes. he gets the pbu he had 10 10 picks uh in his college career he knows how to get to the ball yeah and the other thing is on tape this dude's friggin' annoying like he's such a pest he gets his hands in. He'll smack you in the wrist while you're trying to catch the ball. He'll uh, like he'll he'll just go straight into your chest when the uh, when you're trying to like gain possession of the ball after you go to catch it. This guy sucks to play against. And you know who I like having on my team? The guy who no one else wants to play against. So yeah, he's limited athletically. He's the guy where if he's a starting outside corner, he's the dude that you're always trying to draft someone to replace. But like they actually have to be good to replace him. Yes, and if correct. he's your CB three, he's the guy who steps in when somebody else gets injured, and you're like, "Well, I mean, the other guy's better, but I'm cool with him being over there. He's gonna do a fine job. Like he's kind of in that Deshaun Shed mode, where except very different because um, Shed was able to play very physically, but he didn't have good ball skills. Um, the toxic differential ability for Kobe Bryant is cool because he's a guy who can make a play on the ball. But yeah, he's just a guy where if he's over there, he's just a very steady presence. 
and you never are sad to see him playing outside corner. Like he's just, he's just a solid player. Yeah. So, uh, for me, I think like providing a, a safe floor for our, for our cornerback room is a was it was a good thing to do. It was a smart thing to do, and now we can we can hope that Trey and Sydney are ready to go. But if they have injuries again or anything like that, now we have a guy who can come in and play at at I think a an NFL level. Like he can play NFL level cornerback and not embarrass himself. He's not going to be getting burned all the time or anything like that. I, I think <laughs> so for me, this picks a, this picks an A plus. Uh, it's definitely a really good pick for me. Uh, Ken, what do you think? You know, um, I like a little bit more lottery ticket guys when it comes to day three, uh, high upside, but also high bus potential. So this is a B plus for me normally, but you know, in this draft with everything else we did, that's, an, that's an A plus. Eric, are you back to give? are you back to give a grade for Kobe Bryant? Oh, it's perfect timing. <laughs> yes. you Honestly, you it's that. an A plus. <laughs> All right, let's go to uh, Eric, round five I mean, number. I give it an A plus. Yeah, uh, Eric, round five number one fifty three overall. Speaking of lottery tickets, Kevin, uh, nine point seven one relative athletic score, one uh, hundredth percentile for height, one hundredth uh, percentile for forty yard dash, ninety uh, ninth percentile vertical, forty two inch ran a four two six. Um, this is Tariq Woolen out of UTSA. And uh, man, what a, what a tra- we talked about this guy a little bit because he was one of our visits guys. This is a traits guy. This is a, this is a traits guy, one hundred percent. He doesn't know how to play cornerback yet. Uh, he he doesn't have great instincts. He's not always um, you know getting good depth in his zones, and uh, he takes really bad paths to 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 the ball. Um, but Man, this guy has all everything else that you want uh, in terms of like his athleticism and his highlight plays are like really good. Like him just coming from so far away to make a tackle, or like him just laying the wood to a guy uh, in in space or chasing down guys he probably should never get to. So yeah, the, I mean, if he can continue his development, this is a development guy. But if he can continue his development, the sky's the limit. Um, I love the Tariq Woolen pick. Uh, Eric, were you excited to get uh, like a high upside guy to pair with Kobe? I mean, after after this podcast and after everything I read and the film I watched, yes. At the time, I really didn't have an opinion other than, okay, this is the part of the draft where unless it's like a player you're really familiar with or there's a hole you need to plug and someone fell, um, this is where you're you're finding diamonds on the rough, and I feel this is a position where you're just you're amassing bodies to compete. Um, given what you said, given what I read, yeah, it sounds like this guy might be a safety for there, us. There, there was there was Tariq Woolen like round two three hype. Was there like yes? There was like there was people that were like this guy's going. He's so fast, and the potential is so high for him to play like dom- be dominant outside corner. There was like mm-hmm. round two Tariq Woolen. Okay. Hype. Uh, it did not obviously did not work out that way, but it does feel like, um, you know, like, like maybe teams just didn't want to ch- try to develop him or uh, maybe it's cause he came from, you know, San Antonio. Um, I mean, I did yeah, watch weird, tape on him. Smaller school, right? Yeah. yeah. It's, I, I'm not against it. That's for sure. It just wasn't, I was like, okay, anything past this, anything, anyone we pick after, um, the last pick, uh, of, uh, of Kobe Bryant is kind of like, okay. All right, unless it's of course a tight end. <laughs> All right, what did it? What do you think, Kevin? Um, I was insanely excited about this pick. 
like unreasonably so for a fifth rounder. Um, this is a guy where I thought he was going to go somewhere in the second round. He was a guy I was going, well, I wouldn't want to take him at 40 or 41 because that's kind of high for a guy who has a like super high bust potential. If we got him at 72, that wouldn't be too bad, but he's not going to be there at 72. And then he was sitting there at 72, but then so was Abe Lucas, and that was a way better pick. So then we were sitting there at 109. I was like, oh, cool. We can take Tariq Woolen. That's awesome. And then we took Kobe, and I was like, okay, I can get why a team would do that. And then he was sitting there again at 153, and it was like, this is just stupid. Uh, to give you an idea, this guy has a six foot seven inch wingspan. He can poke a Lucas in the big toe and pat his head at the same time. <laughs> That's stupid. Like this, this guy has, and the other thing is, okay, so he's this big ball of athletic traits. That's awesome. But he also is a little bit raw at corner. And by a little bit, I mean a lot because he converted from wide receiver in college. He's only been playing corner for two seasons. He's been playing corner for two seasons because he kept dropping passes as a wide receiver. This is literally the joke that announcers do that go, well, if you could catch, that's why it would be a wide receiver. Um, so it makes sense why he's a little bit raw, why he's a little early in his development path. But when you look at him play, the things that he can do are kind of insane. And like, there's no reason he can't just go out and tackle guys on kickoffs in year one either. Like that. Yes. That's a, he, he's going to fill that role pretty yeah, good. He could be they, an insane gunner at his speed and size because he's a really willing tackler. He just needs um, to be coached up on technique. Uh, he is, he needs technique in both man and zone, but he understands like if you put him online to press somebody, he'll use his length to just bench press the dude. And if the guy gets past him, he's a four two six runner. He can make up the speed. Like and we, and we, he's we made really a joke. Interesting. We made a joke about how all the guys at the Seahawks, the Seahawks brought in for top thirty visits were like height, height, speed guys who who yeah. were special teamers. But they really did. Not only did they did they do that, they brought in a bunch of those guys, but they ended up drafting like three of them. And we'll get to the other two in a sec. But that, I mean, that's uh, that's what happened here. Yeah, they, which is they, cool. They, yeah, they drafted a couple of them. So, yeah, good good job by the uh, the Seahawks here. Uh, so for me, um, Tariq Woolen, uh, these kind of like uh, high upside lottery tickets are always great to, to grab in the, the fifth round. So I think that's a good pick. Uh, A-plus for me. Um, Eric, or uh, yeah, Eric. Or no, Kevin. Kevin, Kevin goes. Kevin. On next. Kevin, uh, Kevin, you you know what? When you take a guy who I have a day two value on at pick 153, uh, that usually gets an A-plus for me. And in this draft, that's, a, that's an A-plus. I don't know where else to go on this, but after hearing all this, I got to go A plus two, guys. All right. So next, the Seahawks, uh, they wanted to uh, get a little more depth at edge. They took a guy with an extremely high motor, uh, a guy who who never quits. Uh, that's uh, that's Tyreek Smith from Ohio State University from sorry, the, the. Ohio State University. Uh, but uh Tyreek Smith, when I look at his relative athletic score, it's like hey, everything's just all right. And then you get to the the agility grades, man. His shuttle, his three cone, he just crushed those drills. And then I threw on the tape, and I was like, "Whoa, this guy is so inefficient with his movements. What, yep. is, he, what, <laughs> what, what is going on with his arms? Uh, that that was that was like my first thought: is what is this guy doing with his arms? I I think that Tyreek Smith is the perfect kind of like depth slash effort guy. Like he's never quits on a play. Um, he comes in, he's not gonna, he's not gonna not try. He generally knows what he's doing, but he's so inefficient with everything he's doing. If they can tighten up his efficiency a little bit, he could definitely be 
a super effective player. But I think right now he's probably just going to provide some nice uh, like motor slash depth stuff that, you know, he'll get, I don't know, 18 snaps a game, 15, 10, something like that. And just provide some nice uh, depth when, you know, you need a guy to go out there who's not going to just like screw up <laughs> and he's going to, he's not going to quit on the play either. He's going to go out there. He's going to, he's going to try hard. I think he's perfect for that. So yeah, I, uh, that's my Tyreek uh, Smith thoughts. Eric, did you like that? We doubled down on edge here. I did. I did looking at Tyreek Tyree Smith. So um, he kind of looks like if Dennis Rodman played football, like young Dennis Rodman, <laughs> if you watched, if you watched the NBA back in the eighties or, you know, uh, you know, you can go back and look Dennis Rodman was just, he was all over the place through his career. He was just at any side of the court, high motor, of course. He also had a lot of um, deliberate actions, which I'm not sure Tyreek Smith has. I do like that Tyreek Smith can tackle. So high motor that can tackle, I will take it. Yep. Uh, Kevin, what what do you think of Tyreek Smith? Uh, Yeah, he's kind of a, like, he's exactly what you want measurements-wise for an outside uh, edge player in a 3-4. 254 pounds, 33-inch arms. So he's a guy who has the length to kind of take on blockers and... Um, the size to not get pushed around too bad by offensive tackles. He uh, can shed pretty well. So he, where Mafia I think is going to be more of a designated pass rusher to begin his career. Tyreek Smith is a guy who can come in on rundowns and give Nuosu and Taylor a bit of a breather because he can play from a two or three point stance. He uh, doesn't like bend the corner to get sacks, but because he has like a relentless motor, he'll get a cleanup. If the pocket gets pushed and the quarterback like rolls out wrong, he'll get like a couple cleanup sacks on a season. And otherwise he'll just be a really solid guy against the run game. Like that's a good role player in round five. Yeah. I think, uh, I think he's, yeah, good rotational edge. I think picking up a, a solid rotational edge in the fifth round, that's a, that's gotta be a a plus from me. How about, how about you, uh, Eric? Uh, yeah, absolutely. A plus here. Um, I'm going to do an impression of Kevin, uh, Tyreek Smith, my, cause he's his, he did. He got Comcasted. Uh, I'm going to say, uh, you know, uh, Tyreek Smith, uh, his, his body's out of control. He's not the perfect prospect. Normally, I give him like a, a B, but uh, you know what? I'm going to give it an A+. Plus. All right, so next we go to a pair of wide receivers. We're going to do them at the same time uh, because their profiles are very similar, actually. These are two guys, uh, Bo Melton and uh, what is the – it's a – is it Derek? Uh, I don't know. This is a hard one. Derek Young uh, from Lenore Ryan. Derek or Derek? I went Derek, yeah, but go ahead and they, do Derek. They, they both they both they both had over nine on the relative athletic scores. Uh, they're they're just insane top tier athletes. Uh, yeah, I'm 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 into these dudes. They're they're both really good. So uh, yeah, they're they're really similar. You know, they're both like high upside wide receivers. They're similar in how they have. play, but uh, Bow Mountain's only. F- He's just under six foot, and then uh, Derek is six three. Hold on, I have my list. Yeah, six three. So you've got kind of it sounds so stupid because it's four inches, but like one tall, one short, um, similar ability. Yeah, they're just they. The thing about Bo Melton is he played for Rutgers, mm-hmm. and Rutgers is Rutgers is bad. So that that's the problem. Well, better uh, than uh, <laughs> than what Lenore Ryan. Um, yeah, so that, so yeah, I think Bo Melton, yeah, the problem is he played for Rutgers, so it's not really sure what he can be, but great, great athleticism. Um, and then same with Derek, Derek Young, uh, he, great athleticism, big size, but went to Lenore Ryan. So who knows, like he could be anything. These guys are both 
you know, they both have special teams potential because of the height, weight, speed stuff and just that overall athleticism. And we could see Bo Melton turning into something more than that, I think. Uh, and maybe Derek Young, too. I don't know. I think Derek Young's the next Jazz Ferguson where it's like we all fall in love with this kid, but he's oh, okay. not, really, not really ever ready to be an NFL player. Whereas Bo Melton showed some things to me on tape where I think he could be like a pretty good wide, re- uh, wide receiver. Kevin, when you threw on the tape for these uh, two young wide receivers, what did you see? Uh, yeah, I saw exactly what you're talking about. It, it's These are David Moore picks. These are uh, kind of mm-hmm. size, weight, speed, athleticism. Uh, instead of Western Oklahoma, it's Lenore Ryan for uh, Derek Young, who also played running back in addition to quarterback or a good yeah, addition t- to wide receiver. T- take that, nerds. We drafted two running backs. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. You can eat it. Um, yeah, dude, 6'2", 224. He's got really weird size. Um, it's hard to tell if he can catch on tape because his quarterback play was so bad that he never had to make hands catches because uh, the competition was also so bad that he was open by 47 yards. Um, he's a very hard, he's a very tough evaluation from the tape. You really just, you're drafting the traits and hoping you could turn it into something. Yeah. Whereas Bo Melton, I agree with you. He showed that he has, um, the thing is Bo Melton's really fast and he does everything at four, three. Fast wide receivers, uh, they'll tell you that the the thing you have to figure out is how to gear up and gear down in order to use your speed differently. He never gears up or gears down. He makes his cuts at 4-3. He runs posts at 4-3. He ran a limited route tree. He had terrible quarterback play. And that made it a little bit harder to tell. But again, this is a guy where, I don't know, man, you spend a seventh round pick and you get a David Moore that comes in catches a thousand yards over the course of a couple of seasons and is a decent fourth wide receiver. Seems fine. Special team guy. Cool. Yeah. So for me, like drafting, uh, to, Oh, by the way, Kevin, I did your, I did your, um, I did your Tyreek Smith. I said that, uh, because of the body control stuff you give normally you give him a B, but you gave him a plus. Was that about right? Nailed it. Okay. So then, uh, Drafting two developmental wide receivers like this back to back, you just hope one of them turns out to be like, you know, a number three guy like a David Moore, like Kevin said. Uh, I think that, um, you know, drafting back to back, doubling down is a great is kind of a a sneaky good move. And so for me, I'm going to go. Yeah, that's an A plus. Uh, Kevin, what'd you give this one? Yeah, you know, I mean, these are the types of guys that I want to spend a seventh round pick on Uh, people who have upside to be a little bit more, but at worst case are a decent special teamers. Uh, when you do exactly what I expect, that's a B. But you know, in this kind of a draft, that's it. that's an A plus for me. All right, Eric, how about you? What do you what do you uh, give him? Uh, you know, two wide receivers here. Unless you're going with Chris Carson as a legend, um, you know, these are guys who are going to fill out and be bodies on your team and see if they can make it. All in all, A plus. Yeah, and drafting seventh rounders of special teams potential is always nice. All right, we're gonna take a short break and then we'll come back for a movie club. All right, well, welcome back. Uh, let's give the shout-outs to the Patreons. They support our show. You can be a Patreon, too. Join the Discord. Head over to patreon.com slash SeahawksNest or only12s.com or punthub.us. For as little as $1.24 a month, join the join the squad. Be part of the crew. Come 
come get if you liked my uh, my Kenny Pickett shit posting. Well, that a lot of that happens on the Discord. I just don't take it out into the light <laughs> very very often. That's right. But, uh, we, we workshop things in the Discord, and then I we just get I lazy and never post them anywhere else. I I don't bring them out. I I uh, I realize like I should bring more of my shit posting out in the light. Maybe people seem to enjoy this. All right. Anyway, big ups, Andy, Brett, do it all for the Tucci, Evan, Flocktimus, Greta, James, Joe, Lucas, Ryan, Timothy, Tom, Emmanuel, Astro, Blake, Bob, Casey, Daniel, David, Foles, Jay. Leon, Michelle, Michael, Mike, Mike, Richard, Thomas, Warwolf, Brandon, Nick, everyone else who supports the show. Thank you for supporting the show. You guys have done it for so long. Uh, big shouts to everyone who like just just supports us and loves us. It, it keeps us going. Uh, makes it you know recording every week is um, exhausting, and uh, it's not it, knowing that people care uh, makes it so that I I want to keep doing it. So thanks. Okay, uh, our movie this week. Uh, Kevin made a really lame joke on the Discord. He said that <laughs> turning red is Teen Wolf. It's Teen Wolf about... with a little Asian girl. Yeah. Yeah. And I just said it's a 90 minute movie about getting your period. And he said that's the same thing as Teen Wolf. So here we go, Kevin. Why? <laughs> <I'm just kidding>. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. So we're going to do Teen Wolf 1985. Also, uh, it's a coming of age movie. And it, what's the draft if not a coming of age experience? Yeah. Wow. So real true. Let's, um, let's get into it. Uh, we got. Michael J. Fox playing uh, Scott Howard, the the, the Teen Wolf. Um, <laughs> now this is something that runs is, in his family. Oof. It's yes. it's a lycanthropy that that causes him to turn into a werewolf, and his his dad's like, oh, geez, it's that time. It's um, if you're a really if you're a really hairy kid like me, this movie was your <laughs> this movie was I'm your really uh, connected with it. <laughs> really, Nathan used to cry at the end of Teen Wolf. It's just like, well, it's okay for me to be really hairy. Um, that that's 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 my primary takeaway from from Teen Wolf. You guys, you guys got anything to add? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, uh, James Hampton plays uh, plays the dad in this. James Hampton was friggin' great in this movie. Um, he was delightful in a number of things. He looks like the generic dad character from a billion things. Um. So I, I just want to give a shout out to uh, to James Hampton for uh, okay. the role of the dad in this. Let's let's okay. Let's start at the beginning. I'll, I'll I'll be more. I'll take this more more seriously. Okay. So okay, Michael J. Fox plays a high schooler. Which how old was he when this movie came out? He doesn't. To he me, had to be like twenty eight. Okay. Important so, thing to know: Michael J. Fox like looked like a high schooler until he was like forty. So he has to be at least twenty-five. I mean, this guy looks like the oldest high schooler in the world in this movie. But anyway, no, his friend he, looked like the oldest high schooler in the world. That's it's true. Like, that's, that's, true. that's because that's uh, true. Jerry Levine played Styles, and I want to say he was in his thirties in this movie. Jerry Levine, yeah, he had to. No, he was born 20, in fifty-seven. He was twenty-eight. Twenty-eight. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, and and then Michael J. Fox was like twenty-five. But anyway, um, Lori <laughs> Griffith. Right. Lori Griffith plays uh, the the love interest in this movie, but she's dating she's dating uh, Mick, right? Is that, is that guy's name, Mick? Who's like the plays for the evil basketball team, the Dragons? <laughs> One thing I like is that is that Michael J. Fox's team is the Beavers. Yes, and, and then the, <laughs> and the, the rival the team guy from Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Yes, the cl- uh, yeah, I like that story. And the the Dragons just you know they're just a holes, right? They're just oh, I didn't realize just... Mark Holden's character's name is Chubby in this movie. They didn't even give the poor kid a name. He's Francis just Chubby. No, it's chubby. He's just chubby. Um, so yeah, he. One thing is that there's a, there's a big middle finger in this movie, which is like, yeah, the like like Eric said, the lycanthropy runs in the family, but somehow no one told 
Michael Michael J. Fox or something? Yeah, they I were just hoping he wouldn't yeah, they turn did, into well, a werewolf. I guess that's, wait, wait, here's the thing. That's the same conceit that they do in uh, Turning Red. Like I said, same movie. Guys, this it's is like <laughs> I, this is honestly like such a a crazy idea for a movie, even for like 1986 or whatever. But this is the most 80s movie because it's kind of touching. Stars way too old high school characters, and, and they let a werewolf and they let a werewolf play basketball for some reason. Yeah, and people are just <laughs> like, oh, is Boof. My Jerry coworker name is Styles. <laughs> my 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 co-student is a werewolf. Whoa! I bet he's cool now. <laughs> he can he surf on a car he can surf on a car he does backflips he high fives everyone he's still short and excuse and me he was surfing on a wolf mobile thank you it was <laughs> a giant van yeah he's he it's not like he became this giant creature that he just got really hairy and was really cool all of a sudden oh and could dunk of course he had dunk like sean kemp also, uh, in order to be punk rock, um, Styles wore a shirt that said, what are you looking at? Dick nose and tucked it into his khakis. <laughs> I just uh, feel a need to say that that's a thing that existed in this. Yeah, movie. I this need movie that is shirt. So quintessentially 80s. I'm looking at this shirt. All the I best and worst ways. I, I there's no what? question mark at the end of Dick nose, Kevin, which kind of bothers me. I may not need that shirt now. It's very. So, OK, then. what? What um so one thing I like is at the end of the movie he decides that he's not going to uh he's gonna play the basketball but without the wolf. Well who that's right that's the story, Nathan. Who are you? Are you just the wolf or are you a man like everyone else? What makes you special? It's the exact same thing they did in Spider Man Homecoming. Like, are you are you the suit or are you a hero without the suit? It's like they said in cool runnings. If you uh if you're not enough before, then you'll never be enough after. There you go, Kevin. This is this is uh, just movie tropes and and movie archetypes. Over oh yes, that's over. literally what the movie is. It's it's just it's just a giant uh, Jenga stack of movie tropes <laughs> and and <laughs> allegory for puberty. Yes, there. Yeah, man, it's like, and, this... and we're not trashing this movie. This is delightfully like it's such schlocky. a it's such an eighties <laughs> teen movie. Like it just. I can't it's wait for the end when you say, does anything, anybody have anything else for Teen Wolf? Because I, I, I have the best thing to end it on. Go ahead. Give me give me one. Give, oh, you want to do it at the end? This is the end. I have to save it for the end. You're saving it. Okay. Um, Isn't this the end? <laughs> well, I, I don't know. Like, I don't have a whole lot more to say. I went through the uh, the trivia section of um, of the of the IMDb page. And, uh, okay, you want to hear some some trivia? All right. Um, don't, don't take my trivia. And if you know what it is, um, you'll know it when you see it. The entire production only took 21 days. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Seeing how there's makeup, that is even faster than you think. No, uh, he's been shooting so much on one day. That makeup must have sucked for him. Oh, uh, According to director Rod Daniel, somewhere in a vault is about an hour of the most embarrassing sports footage that has ever been put together. <laughs> but you like kids missing shots. That. That's what I think. Uh, Michael J. Fox disliked the film so much. He said, Steven Spielberg's down the street making great movies and I'm stuck here playing a werewolf. That's um, very good. They were, they could only milkshakes and soup while they were wearing the makeup. Oh. Uh, it's not all bad. Um, uh, college basketball player, Jeff Glosser was Michael J. Fox's stunt, uh, stunt double, obviously for the, the basketball scene. Uh, it's written by Jeff. It was co-written by Jeff, famous comic book writer Jeff Loeb. Yeah, Jeff, that, Eric. Jeff Loeb is a great comic book writer, and he has done a lot of trash. 
uh, in the movie world <laughs> and TV world and comic world. Uh, uh, comics are okay. Uh, the director voiced all the growling in the movie <laughs> in, in, AD, in ADR. <laughs> That's the best fact. Ah, uh, no, no, they don't. They're not coming in. I'll do it. Jeff Loeb stole the Spider-Man Great Responsibility line for this movie. Oh my gosh! You remember that, Eric? I I don't, but I now I now I need to rewatch it. Um. Yeah, I don't know the on top of the van. That was Jerry Levine, the uh, Styles, mm-hmm. not not a stuntman. He really did his own stunts. Wow, uh, I kind of cool. I don't, I don't know. There's just a lot. This movie is like, it's just ridiculous. It's fun. It's um, it's, it's about it's, you know, it's about a kid who's just really hairy, right? <laughs> it's um, it's perfect. It is what it, it is. I mean, honestly, Teen Wolf plays the best game of basketball I've ever seen. He's just the great. He's just the goat. He's, he could have been the next Michael Jordan if he just. I saw Michael wolf. Dickerson, uh, who went to Federal High School play against Mount Rainier when I was a junior in high school. That was uh, like two, uh, four years before he was drafted by the NBA. And uh, that's the closest I will get to seeing Teen Wolf in real life. Because that's exactly what Michael Dickerson did. He had like 43 points. He was the only kid who can dunk. He was sinking shots from anywhere. He was a superhuman. And I was, at the time, I didn't realize it, but that was my Teen Wolf experience. You never okay. know your Team Wolf experience until after it's over. <clears throat> so here's your here's your fun fact for the movie. Not yeah. a joke, and you can find this. If you see this on television, as of last summer, no one has edited this out yet. But at the very end, when the hardly packed gymnasium, because it's not packed full of people, when people are clearing out and you know people are hugging in the stands, there is a guy, an extra, uh, who decided to hang dong. It, they're not yeah. it's a it's a woman it's a, i read that it's a woman in the trivia section well which is why i didn't even mention i'm it. telling you straight up it is <laughs> it if then it's then it's if it's a woman then they have a fake something because it is a it is a penis just hanging out of the zipper and he gets up and then like he stands there for a second and then all of a sudden he puts the jacket over it and if you know where to look which uh you know we can have a viewing party i'll show you it's uh, it's right there, still on TV as of last summer. So, I want you to do a live John Madden style teleprompter breakdown of that on the Discord. <laughs> Anytime. That is Kevin. some serious Patreon. Anytime. I found content. out about that like five years ago, and then every time it's on TV, I'm like, oh, gross! You can see it. Well, if so. you look right here, clearly it's a warm day. It's a breeze coming in slightly from the south by southwest. <laughs> Brett Favre, Brett Favre. Oh, anyway. All right. For Eric, for Kevin, we will see you guys next week. Go Hawks.